0: Good morning. As we begin our time together, I want to remind you that uh, today is communion, and at the end of the summer, we'll be doing virtual communion together. So if you need to run get your elements, we uh, invite you to do that. Also, I want to say thank you so very much to our Good Hope family for uh, our first virtual meeting yesterday. It was wonderful. Thank you, uh, Pastor and Sister Stevens, for hosting that meeting and for all our leaders um, who participated as well as our membership. Thank you so very much. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for this beautiful day and this opportunity uh, to worship. Help us worship you today in spirit and in truth. Bless the preparation of your word. Uh, May you be glorified and may it be uplifting and encouraging to your people. In Jesus' name, amen. Our scripture text for this communion sermon is found in Matthew chapter 26, verses 26 through 30. And as they were eating, Jesus took bread, blessed and broke it and gave it to his disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body. Then he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them saying, drink from it, all of you. For this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. But I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine. From now on until that day when I drank it new with you in my Father's kingdom. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Today I want to preach from the subject three words from the table. Three words from the table. The celebration of the Lord's Supper is a very special time in the life of the church family. It is a time to pause and Reflect upon the significance of the life, death, burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ. And particularly in these days when we have so many other things vying for our time and our attention. It's just good for the church family to take this opportunity on this first Sunday and just focus on the life, the death, the burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's a time to focus upon the cross of Calvary, the place where Jesus paid the price for our sins. The table complete with bread and cup points our hearts and our minds to Jesus, the risen Christ, who saves his people, all who trust in him holistically. Simply stated at Calvary, the redemption story was completed. Nothing to be added. Nor can anything be taken away from what Jesus did for us When he died on the cross to save us from sin. Jesus himself testified (coughs) to the comprehensive nature of his work on Calvary. When he said in John 19 and 30, it is finished. With just three words, Jesus makes the undeniable, the unquestionable, the irrefutable, and the uncontestable proclamation that what he did on Calvary's cross To save us from the eternal punishment of sin was a done deal. And just in case someone is listening to me today who does not know uh, of sin's wages, Romans 6.23 states it plainly. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So if you came to this virtual worship experience today, Burdened down by your sins, the sins you committed in the past, it is finished ought to lift your spirit. If you came here today to hear a word from the Lord, if you came here shackled by guilt and shame associated with the choices you made before coming into a relationship with Jesus Christ, and even since you've been in a relationship with Jesus Christ, it is finished ought to set you free. If you came today carrying the pain inflicted upon you by people who refuse to forgive you and who insist upon holding your past against you. It is finished or to serve as a reminder that Jesus Christ, not people, should be your ultimate concern. Why? Because people can be fickle, people can be frail, People can be phony. People can be unforgiving. People can be unkind. And people can be unreasonable. People can claim to love you today and hate you tomorrow. People can include you in their inner circle today and alienate, alienate you tomorrow. But Jesus will love you and Jesus will be with you. Through the ups and downs of life, through the mountains and valleys, through the sunshine and rain, through the hard times and the easy times, Jesus will be with you to the end of the age. And he alone has the power and authority to pronounce unto you and unto me eternal life or eternal death. Now, with that in mind, let us turn our attention to today's text in Matthew 26. 26 and 30, which states, and as they were eating, Jesus took bread, he blessed it and broke it, and gave it to his disciples, saying, take, eat, this is my body. And then he took the cup, and he gave thanks, and he gave it to them, and he said, drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood in the new covenant, which is shed for many, for the remission. That word remission means for forgiveness, or for the payment of your sins. Jesus said, but I tell you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now on until that day when I drink it anew with you in my Father's kingdom. Now imagine that Jesus is just giving these profound words um, to his disciples at what what we know as the the Lord's Supper. So notice from the lips of Jesus flows three words from the table. The first word is a declaration of of God's amazing grace. That's right, the first word from the table, as they sat there, as they supped together, the first word from the table is a declaration of God's amazing grace. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, "It Well, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not from yourselves. It is a gift from God, not by works, so that no one can boast this word from the table reminds people of God that any measure of success that you and I have have accomplished from first base to home plate is all about God's amazing grace your salvation your salvation the fact that you saved you received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior your salvation and my salvation It's strictly a matter of God's amazing grace. It's not about our gifts. It's not about our talents. It's not about our abilities. It's not about our titles in the church or even in secular society. It's not about how many religious rules we keep or how well we keep them. It's not even about trying to live up to the vain expectation of people. No, the reality is those who are saved are saved by God's grace through faith in Jesus Christ alone. In the words of Christian recording artist Phil Wickham, this is amazing grace. This is unfailing love, that you would take my place, that you would bear my cross. You lay down your life, that I would be set free. Oh, Jesus, I sing for all, you have done for me. Hymn writer Dottie Rambo shares her testimony in the words of a hymn as well. She says, Amazing grace shall always be my song of praise, for it was grace that brought my liberty. I do not know just why he came to love me so. He looked beyond my faults and saw my needs. I shall forever lift my eyes to Calvary to view the cross where Jesus Died for me. How marvelous the grace that caught my fallen soul. He looked beyond my fault and saw my need. Plainly stated, God's grace has brought us this far, and God's grace will lead us home. So it's plain to see. The first word from the table is a declaration of God's amazing grace. The second word from the table is a proclamation of God's astonishing mercy. Matthew 26, 28, 26 through 28, the story is, it, uh, talks about the astonishing mercy of, of God. The story is told of a mother who went to visit Napoleon, the emperor, on behalf of her son who was in trouble with the law. Napoleon told the mother that her young son had committed the same offense twice, and as a result, his crime demanded the death penalty. But the mother pleaded, saying to Napoleon, Sir, I didn't come here today in order to appeal for justice. I came here today to ask for mercy. But Napoleon says he doesn't deserve mercy. No, he doesn't, said this mother, but it would not be mercy if he deserved it. You're right, said Napoleon, I grant your request and show your son some mercy. Notice verse 26 of the text. While they were eating, Jesus took bread and gave thanks, and and he broke it, and he said to his disciples, Take and eat, this is my body. Verse 27, then he took the cup, gave thanks, and offered it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. Verse 28, this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many, For the forgiveness of sin. Jesus made it plain. This is my blood of the new covenant. Which is poured out for many. For the forgiveness of sin. Do you see the mercy application? The mercy application is this. Jesus faced a hateful. Horrible. And hideous death. On the cross at Calvary. His body was bruised. His body was battered. His body was beaten. The cross of Calvary upon which Jesus' hung does not present a pretty picture. Isaiah 52-14 paints for us a graphic portrait of what Jesus looked like hanging on the cross. Isaiah wrote, his appearance was so disfigured beyond that of any man and his form marred beyond human likeness. Isaiah 53 and 5 says, He was pierced for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The, the punishment that brought us peace was upon Him, and by His stripes or by His wounds, we are healed. So it is. Each time the Lord Jesus Christ allows us the honor and privilege of coming to the table, we ought not take it lightly, but we ought to come thanking Him for his astonishing mercy because he didn't have to do what he did for us on the cross but he did he didn't have to stand trial in our place but he did, that's that's mercy he didn't have to suffer the blows in his body that rightly belong to you and to me but he did that's mercy he didn't have to share his precious blood to save us from the penalty of sin, but he did, that's mercy. He didn't have to die in our place, but he did, that's mercy. The astonishing reality is simply this. Justice, as in the case of Napoleon's claim, justice demanded That it should have been me and it should have been you paying for our own cold, callous, crude, covetous, and contentious sins. It should have been us paying for our own sins. Never mind the, the titles we wear, never mind the positions. We hold, never mind the gifts we display, never mind the abilities we have, our acts of righteousness, never mind the magnitude of our service, the latitude of our sacrifice, the attitude concerning our sacredness, truth be told, it should have been us. Uh, just as room at the communion table for attitudes of religious superiority and super religious complexes. There's no room at the Lord's table for delusions of grandeur, concerning personal holiness and private piety. No, to be sure, this table is for those who understand that it is the mercy of God which saved us and sanctified us, and the mercy of God that sustains us day by day, even as we face the challenges of our time. It's about mercy. One of my favorite mercy stories is found in Luke eighteen nine 9-14. I, I've loved this story since the very first time I read it, the first time I heard it, it's a story about two men who went to the temple to pray. You know the story, it's a familiar story. Many of you know it. One was a Pharisee, the other was a tax collector. The Pharisee stood up and prayed aloud about himself. And this is what he said. He said, God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, robbers, and evildoers, And adulterers are even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and I give a till of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. The Bible says he would not even look up to heaven. But he beat his breast. Beating of the breast in those days was a sign of humility. Humiliation so he beat his breast and look at what he said he said God have mercy on me a sinner he said God have mercy on me I I know I've done wrong I I know I've messed up have mercy on me a sinner God I have not doubted all the I I have not crossed all the T's I have not done life like always like you wanted me to but God I am appealing humbles himself will be exalted. Well, not only is the table a declaration of God's amazing grace and and a proclamation of God's astonishing mercy, the third word from the table is a publication of God's astounding love. A publication of God's astounding love. God prepared the first communion table. Over 2,000 years ago, he was publicizing, making public, his astounding astounding love for all of humanity. John 3.16 is a classic rendition of God's love. Look at the text. For God so loved the world, Underscore that God so loved the world, all people, all kinds of people, rich people and poor people and red and yellow and black and white people. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, underscore, that whoever, whosoever believes in him, should not perish, but have eternal life. John 15, 13 is a consoling admission of God's love. Greater love has no man than this than to lay down one's life for his. Friends, John 14, 1 and 2 is a calm condition of God's love, a calming condition of God's love. For in these verses, Jesus says, let not your heart be troubled, you believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house, or many rooms, it will not so. I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. That's God's love. And if I go in, I will come back and come again and receive you to myself that where I am, you may be also. And when we take a serious look at this communion table, Focusing our undivided attention on the bread and on the cup. When we look at the table and focus our undivided attention on the bread and on the cup. We can't help but be gripped by the ever-present reality of God's astounding love for us. Contemporary songwriter and vocalist Chris Tomlin expresses the essence of God, astounding love at the table with these words. He wrote, I'm forgiven because you were forsaken. I'm accepted. It should be our joy to honor him. Man, God's amazing grace to think about God's astonishing mercy and to hold fast no matter what you're going through to God's astounding love if you're here today and you have not received Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior we want to invite you to do that would you pray with me? Pray something like this, Father. Like the publican, I know I'm a sinner. But today I'm confessing of my sins, Father. I, I'm turning away from, from my sins and I'm turning to you. God, I'm inviting Jesus Christ into my life. Come into my life, Lord Jesus, and be my Lord and save you. Save you in Jesus' name. Amen. If you've accepted Jesus Christ into your family, into your heart today, we welcome you to the family of God. And I encourage you to find a Bible-believing church online, virtually, and get connected, get involved. And this time, we're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper. And again, Matthew chapter 26, beginning with verse 26. And, and as they were eating, Jesus took bread, blessed it and broke it, and gave it to his disciples and said, take eat. This is my body. Then he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for men for the remission of sins. But I say to you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now on until that day, when I drink it anew with you in my Father's kingdom. And when they had summoned him, they went out to the mount. The bread symbolizes the body of Jesus Christ, which was given for us on Calvary. Let us eat together. Likewise, the cup reminds us of his blood that was shed for us on the cross that washes away all of our sins. Let us drink together. And now may the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you. May the Lord be gracious unto you. And may he grant you his peace. In Jesus' name, amen.